My name is Claire Press, and this is Wardrobe Crisis, the podcast that unzips fashion's issues. Do you mind if I move the microphone? I just, I need to lounge. <laughs> Devotion, darling. Shut up. I think as humans, we are major forces to be also reckoned with. And I think creativity always flourishes when there is any type of crisis. That's been the absolute pleasure of, is watching talented people who have skills far and beyond mine come together and work collectively. Einstein always said, nature has all the answers. Just look to nature, it has all the answers. Just because I happen to be able to source them easiest, I guess, I was buying original wool jackets from the 1950s. I was buying them at Portobello Market. And a one man's rubbish is another man's gold. For me, it was about age. It was about the attitude of people. And it's about how they're wearing the clothes, why they're wearing the clothes, and capturing a bit of their wisdom and empowering people to look at aging differently. Join me every week as we talk ethics, sustainability and the business and madness of fashion. From who made your clothes to how they impact on the environment to the politics of personal style. We are so hot right now. (laughs) Who inspired your style? I often get asked that question and I probably drag out the obvious things that sound glamorous, I don't know, Audrey Hepburn or Talitha Getty on the roof in Morocco. But the truth is, it was my grandmother who kindled the love affair with fashion in me. She was a formative influence. She was what we call a great dame, kind of formidable and absolutely obsessed with clothes and style. She was usually dripping in costume jewels and actually she was usually drinking gin. Perhaps I got that from her too. I used to dress up in all her stuff as a kid and she relished handing it down to me and I still have it and I still actually wear it. As I'm recording this in my office, I've got a display of jewellery on the wall and one of the hooks is completely covered in jeans, faux pearls from the 1950s and I still wear them. I once wore a brocade skirt of hers to Fashion Week actually. Sometimes I hear her in my head. She's usually telling me off, saying things like, don't eat in the street, or there's nothing better than a closed toe pump. (laughs) She was actually crazy, but I just loved her. And she's definitely one of the key reasons that I love fashion. And I often think what a shame it is that she can't see the work that I'm doing now because she really would have been proud and delighted. Today's guest is another person whose work was shaped by his grandma. Can you guess who it is? We talked about him, actually, in the Karen Walker episode last season. He is, of course, Ari Seth Cohen. He is the creator of Advanced Style, which celebrates older people, but in particular, older women's creative expression through style. And I purposefully didn't use the word fashion there, because while Advanced Style has undoubtedly influenced fashion... And many of the incredible women photographed by Ari have gone on to front major campaigns. I think it's kind of beyond fashion. It's about style with a capital S. Around the same time that Ari began photographing his mature muses on the streets of New York in 2008, I actually tried to get a book of interviews off the ground called Style Wisdom here in Australia. And nobody was interested. I was told by all of the big publishers, look, No one cares about older women. No one is looking at them. We're in a youth movement. Gross, right? That really happened. 
But at that time, that's where we were. The catwalks were full of 15-year-old girls. Very, very young models were fronting most of the major campaigns. And even on screen, even in film and on television, we just weren't seeing older women represented. And it was the time of the kind of invisible woman, which I absolutely hate. We're getting better. I mean, I'm not saying we're all there, but we certainly live in a changed society 10 years later. And I would say that a part of that change is down to Ari. When he came along with his camera and his beautiful, warm, gorgeous energy and his vision and his grand passion for older fabulousness, he literally rewrote the book. He's a photographer and a storyteller. He's a creative director. But he's more than that. I would say that Ari is the architect of a movement. I would say that Ari is a hundred kinds of awesome <laughs> this is a love letter to Ari. This, in this interview, you're going to hear all about how he began, what he does, who he met along the way, and what he learned about changing the world and the way that we look at people. It's packed full of wit and wisdom, but best of all, it's packed full of advanced style ladies. From Ilona, who at 97 published a book on staying creative and still makes her own eyelashes out of feathers, what? To Zipporah, who bikes everywhere because it's the best way of showing off an outfit. And to Jackie, the former Apollo dancer, who at 82 shot her first lawn van campaign. I'm terrifically into advanced style, in case you haven't noticed, and seriously, I can't wait to come of age. I'm recording this, and it's absolutely bucketing down, so if you can hear some pummeling on my tin roof, I hope that just adds to the atmosphere. <laughs> if you are enjoying the Wardrobe Crisis podcast, hurrah! That makes my heart sing. And if you want to keep on spreading the love, I would love it, dear listeners, if you would rate and review us on iTunes. That just really helps new listeners to find us. And I'm also loving all the feedback on social media. It really matters to me to hear which episodes resonate with you and also what you'd like to hear more of on the podcast. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mrs. Press. You can probably find me drinking gin and Jean's fake pearls. <laughs> Are you suffering from the jet lag, Ari? No, I heard it's not fun to talk about it, so... Oh, but it's perfectly acceptable when you are in Australia because it's the furthest you can be. Yeah, more like I'm finishing a book and traveling, but it's all great and I'm very fortunate that I even have these opportunities. But a little lounge will make me comfortable. A little lounge will set the tone. Yes. We're actually recording this in your friend Sarah's house. Yeah, Sarah Jane Adams. On Instagram, her name is Sarah My Jewels. And this is my third time in Australia. The first time I came was for the launch of my documentary film at MIF. And I decided that I should, since I'm coming all the way over here, that I should also see Sydney. And a wonderful family called the Bennetts and 2T Bennett, she's also on Instagram, they saw that I was coming here and they offered to let me stay with them. And they're the most colorful, wonderful family. And also 2T's in my books and, and on the site and um, will be in the next book, which we'll talk about later. And the day before I was leaving for the airport back to New York, I saw on Instagram a post of this marvelous woman in an Adidas jacket white hair pulled up, red lipstick, and so much attitude. And the hashtag was, my mom is cooler than me, hashtag advanced style. And I happened to be looking at the advanced style hashtag and this photo popped up. And it didn't say where it was from or where it had been taken, but I knew that I had to find this woman. Love. 
And I wished that I took that photo because it was so iconic. So I wrote back really quickly, who are you? Where are you based? And they wrote back, oh, this is my mom. And we're in Sydney. I was like, no way. I'm in Sydney and I'm leaving tomorrow for the airport. And so she talked to her mom and they said, well, why don't you come over on your way to the airport? So I got to the house. She was dressed up and she's like, who are you? I have no idea what this is all about. I've never been photographed in my life. Like my daughter put me on Instagram for jewelry, blah, 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 blah. And didn't know what was going on, but you know, was kind enough to take a few pictures. I left, put that photo on Instagram, Adidas, who she's not sponsored by, everyone thinks she is, put it on their Instagram site. And from there, she's been on this adventure, taking photos around the world with her husband and expressing herself and has been signed with IMG and um, is now a, a model and has been, you know, really empowering women to look at aging differently with the way she expresses herself. And because uh, so cool and a bit punk. Yeah. And a bit, you know, it just is a wonderful case in point about how you don't need to get older and get tamer or oh, get yeah. less edgy. Yeah, that's the whole point is to just continue to express yourself. And she has a hashtag, my wrinkles are my stripes. And we were just on the Gold Coast and this woman who was about, she was in her 80s and had a walker and she came up to Sarah and I and she goes, you guys have changed my life. And hearing that is a bit hard to take because it's so, to know that a picture can have so much impact, but also obviously very gratifying and an amazing experience to be able to like have someone express this to you. But she was saying that she had foot problems and she had to get rid of all of her beautiful shoes that she had. Oh, the bunions. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, for her, that was an emotional thing. It was, you know, I'm at a different point in my life now and I have to get rid of all of these things and I have to express myself differently now. And she saw pictures of Sarah wearing high tops and flat shoes and cool sneakers. And we looked down at her feet and she goes, because of you, I started wearing high top sneakers and you really changed my life and made me feel better about myself. I mean, something that we would think is so simple and not necessarily, you know, sometimes people think of fashion as something very superficial, but it's not. And it has the power to really affect people's moods and just hearing that this woman in her 80s, that Sarah had changed her life by just showing her, you know, her attitude it really was really special. That's just the power of the Advanced Style blog, isn't it? And when you were saying, telling that story, I thought about a moment in the Advanced Style documentary with Lindell, where someone comes into the store and says, I think she's from Alaska. She says, I yeah, need yeah. to speak to you, I need to speak to you. And they then bring Lynn out from the back and she meets this woman who says, you changed my life. Seeing you embracing colour, embracing flamboyance, yeah. made me think I could wear turquoise with coral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever it was. Yeah. Lemon with coral with turquoise. And it's such a powerful thing, isn't it? This idea that we can have permission to express ourselves. Exactly, permission. And people aren't going to, oh, if they are going to criticize, who cares, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that you use the correct words. It's about allowing people the permission to continue to be who they are and also maybe even find who they are at an older age or... Something I always talk about is why do we have to lose that joy of expression and dressing up and how fun it was when we first discovered clothes and would like go through our parents' drawers and put on things. 
And then all of a sudden you hit a point in your life where people are start to judge you. Conformity. And, yeah. And you got to do what everyone else does. So this is a point in your life where you can kind of rediscover that freedom and joy and not worry about what other people think. I wrote down a quote. I'm grabbing the paper because I can't remember it verbatim, but I love it. It's from Iris Apfel and it is, so many people are so afraid. They just want to do what everybody else does and look like everybody else. If you could imagine that in Iris's excellent voice, that would be nice, right? I think it was actually, I hate to, it was my friend Rose who was a, in her 100s. Who was said it? it? Was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I had that quote in a little short film that I made with a lot of the women. Iris has amazing quotes, though. Forgive me, because I just think all quotes are Iris, because yeah. I just think she's a rock star. She's very quotable. <laughs> but that idea that we're kind of like sheep and we want to conform because we're frightened of standing out from the Iris. crowd. <laughs> it could have been all of them. Yeah. But that's a really interesting thing to flip, isn't it? That we can buck the trend, we can stand out, and it doesn't really take that much courage once you've begun. I think that... It always takes a little bit of courage to express yourself in a colorful, bold way. But once you do, there's a lot of benefit to that. You know, a lot of the women I photograph say, when we walk down the street, we see people smile. That makes us happy. That makes them happy. And we're just trying to bring a little bit of joy to the world. They get up in the morning and they try to decide, who do I want to be today? How do I feel? What do I want to express? Am I feeling down because it's, you know, the skies are gray? Well, I'll put on a colorful scarf and things will, you know, my mood will change. I mean, dressing up is not for everyone. And advanced style is not purely about fashion choices. It's about attitude. It's about the attitude you take with yourself throughout your day and however you choose to express yourself creatively and vibrantly and have that vitality. When I'm walking down the street, it's not only a woman in Bakelite and turbans that is, is catching my but eye. But you do love Bakelite and turbans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my grandma, the reason why a lot of my interest in style comes from spending endless hours looking through my grandmother's scrapbooks, you know, and her photos from the 1930s and 40s. And she was in Iowa and they didn't have a lot of money. But all of her friends and her looked so incredibly elegant and accessorizing was a huge part of that. You know, great hats, great jewelry. And these were things that were all so original because, you know, we didn't have fast fashion. What were you like as a little kid when you were basically hanging out with Bloomer? Well, yeah, like uh, my grandma was my best friend and a lot of my interests were based around the things that she enjoyed. So my first films were uh, My Fair Lady and Audrey Hepburn and Betty Davis films. And I didn't really listen to contemporary music until high school. And even that was like music from the 60s. So I kind of worked my way up and I started with 19, even as a little kid, like seven years old, I was listening to Bessie Smith in blues from the 1930s because we would watch all these old movies and I would hear a song and then go find out who did that song. So, you know, and then I would look through her drawers and see th these things. Like she was a librarian and she had a stapler. A, I remember this beautiful green, like that 1950s green stapler. 
And just the object and the shape and the design of it was so different than, you know, something I would see in, in school. And I was fascinated by all these things in her house and discovering them. And I've always loved things that were old, not only people, but objects. And the design, the history, the stories behind them. And I used to draw pictures of my grandmother and her friends at a very young age. So, I mean, the advanced style has been with me mm. probably since I was very young. At one of your book launches, somebody asked you if you were like Bill Cunningham. And you said something like, you know, he's a legend. I'm, I'm sure you were very humble in the first response. But the second bit was, but he looks for clothes and you look for stories. Yeah, I mean, obviously, may he rest in peace. He's an icon and I loved his work and... You know, I love the videos and the work in the paper. He but, wouldn't talk to people. He would just take the picture from afar. He was looking at the hem and the color yeah. and the hat. He actually wasn't looking at the woman for the story. Yeah, he had definitely some personal relationships with the people that he photographed. But for me, it was about age. It was about the attitude of people. And it's about how they're wearing the clothes, why they're wearing the clothes, and capturing a bit of their wisdom for people and empowering people to look at aging differently. And it's less about this is a picture of fashion history, although it has become part of that and has become part of the conversation about a changing representation of, of beauty and, and fashion. But initially it was more about the people themselves and faces and characters. So like, as I was saying, it's not about the turban, it's about, you know, it could be about red lipstick standing out in a crowd or the way a woman decided to blow out her hair or just a, a bow in the hair, whatever it is. It's all these details. It's about the details, really, and the attitude that goes with them. I want to get into how this movement, because I think it is a movement, has shifted and changed the way that we look at aging. But first of all, can we just tell a little bit more about your story? So when did you move to New York? Was it uh, sure. 2007, eight or something? It was 2008. As a little boy, my grandma always encouraged me to be creative and make collages and do all these things. And I dreamed about being an artist, but I knew that necessarily I wasn't good enough. And I also wanted to be the entertainment director of a nursing home. <laughs> <I just had> a, <laughs> did you? That was my second goal. Did you really? Yeah. So you always wanted to work with older people. I always did. And I mean, I would see older... And now I'm making a book about love. And I remember just always seeing couples holding hands, like older couples, which we all do, walking down the street and being really moved by that, even at a very young age. And my grandmother studied in Manhattan in the late 1930s, she went to Barnard College and she studied library science for and her. Barnard is an iconic women's college, yeah. which, I mean, some really illustrious people attended. She always said Columbia, but I don't think Columbia allowed women, right. women right. in at that point. So she kind of gave you a bit of a New York bug. She did. And it was, you know, she always said, you have to move to New York someday if you want to be creative. And she would talk about, you know... Going to school, she was a librarian and she was getting her master's degree, but just like the energy of the city and the style on the street. So it's something that I knew that I always wanted to do at some point, but I also didn't want to leave her. And I went to college and I studied art history. And then when my grandma became ill in her late 90s, I came home and my mom and I helped take care of her. And when she passed away, I've said it in different ways, but I was filled with a deep sense of loss and I knew that I had to move to New York City. And so... I knew that this was the time to do it, and I'd saved up some money. 
And right before that, I'd seen a film called Hats Off. It was a documentary film covering 10 years of this woman's life, Mimi Waddell. And everyone thinks that she's my grandmother because the first page of my first book is me and this woman. It's actually Mimi. Oh, yeah. And Mimi loved hats and always wore a hat. And she always used to say, the only thing romantic left in life is a hat. And in her 90s, she was modeling for Louis Vuitton and Burberry and had a, a new life because... You know, when she got into her 60s and 70s, she no longer had to worry about taking care of the kids and, you know, worrying about her husband. And it was really this period where she could concentrate on what she wanted to do. And I hear this all the time from a lot of women, especially I was just on the Gold Coast and hearing all these women say, you know, now it's my time. Now it's my time to figure out what I want to do. And so she started becoming a model and an, an actress in her late 60s. And in her 90s, she was still modeling. And she, my grandma passed away. I was at this um, screening in San Diego. Anyway, I said to Mimi, I want to be your friend. I'm moving to New York City. And she goes, oh, okay, darling. <laughs> Get in contact. I moved to New York, contacted her. She never answered the phone. I started interning at a fashion label and working at an art museum. And this girl goes, I showed her a picture of Mimi. She goes, I want to put her in my show. Mimi answered the phone when I said I did a job for oh, her. Oh, my God, great. We became best friends And I sat in her apartment filled with hat boxes to the roof and thought, why are we not celebrating women like these? And then would see all these women coming into the new museum downtown where I was working in the bookstore and knew that they had to be out there in the world. And my friends who were turning 26 were already worrying about their first wrinkle and gray hair. And I wanted them to empower them to look at aging differently. I mean, that thing about being in your 20s and people start freaking out, am I getting old? I remember it so clearly. It just made me think of, I went to this dinner and I looked across the table and saw my friends looking slightly different, a bit shiny in the forehead. We were 28. They'd all had their first Botox. Yeah. I've always hated that idea that we need to turn back time in order to somehow feel relevant. And it's so, look at me ranting, because it's still so prevalent in fashion. Which is the, the idea that people feel the pressure that, that they can't just age gracefully. If you make that choice yourself, you know, I am not critical about that. And I photograph all different representations of beauty and different faces. And, you know, I, I'm not going up to, on the street and asking a woman if she's had a facelift, of course. You know, it's I really, mean, whatever makes you happy. But I do think the pressure that society pressure. puts that's, on women is pressure. not cool. And that's why I did this project is because of that pressure and and even deeper than just beauty when I approach a lot of women on the street and let's say I'm in Italy or wherever I am and a lot of them say why would you want my picture I'm just a little old lady or I'm just this and just hearing that and the fact that they were made to feel this way and made to feel invisible so many of them say you know for so long we've been invisible And that is heartbreaking and really needs to be changed. And hopefully what I'm doing is changing that a bit. But there's so much more just in terms of our daily interaction with people that has to shift and change. But Advanced Style, the phenomenon, which began as a blog and began as pictures, but then became books, even a coloring book, films, short films, all manner of wonderment, really has shifted the needle on this stuff. I just, I know it, and I'm allowed to say it, even if you don't want to say it yourself. Um, As someone working in the media, when I first started to follow your work, it was so unusual to hear this conversation about aging Mm -hmm. beauty. And then I do think we've come a long way. I'm not sure if we've come all the way, 
But um, we've shifted a bit. I would love you to talk sure. to me a little bit about how much and if you do see we have shifted. Yeah, I mean, thank you for acknowledging that. And I do feel it. I guess for me, it's interesting because this project's so personal. And it's interesting that we even have to have a conversation that things like it's that big of a deal to mm. see uh, an older woman expressing herself. So, so for me, this is like so natural and it's like what I've always seen because of my grandmother and my mom pointing out Xandra Rhodes, you know, who Obsessed. also has a, has a home in San Diego and like pointing out these people, yeah, as role models to me. We these will share some models. links in the show notes to Xandra Rhodes because she's such an incredible fashion designer from London, but she's also having a creative resurgence right now and producing new collections and she has fabulous pink hair and is basically a rock star. So these were my, you know, role models and... Um, but yes, I mean, in terms of the way that media depicted aging was either older women were left out entirely or everything that I saw was, you know, commercials for medications or if they did use an older woman, it was sort of patronizing or the stereotypical idea that women were beige and only were beige and white. And they never really showed really active, expressive, vibrant people well that invisible woman thing it's all about this idea that you give Mm -hmm. up after a certain age you may have been chic or interested in style up to a point but then you just i don't know wear elastic pants and slippers yeah which is not true i mean we know this isn't true but that's the kind of cultural archetype that we've been fed and so that has shifted i think and now i'm seeing like really vibrant creative older women being used in advertising campaigns and like when they do use someone they are doing they are showing women like iris you know really creative, eccentric, wonderful people in advertising. And beyond that, so many of the women are having, like that I just discovered on the street, all have modeling contracts and and are really, you know, getting work from this. The power of social media. Yeah. I mean, creative directors look at Advanced Style and think, hey, hang on. I mean, would you like to tell the story of the Lomvan campaign? Because I think, which features in the film Advanced Style, which we will share a link to. You can rent it from iTunes. Yeah. If it's not showing at film festivals near you, which it sometimes is. Um, and there's DVDs too. And there's DVDs which you can buy off the Advanced Style website and we'll it's share links. It's advancedstylethemovie.com. Right. And we have an Australian distributor. But um, definitely want to talk about Lon Vaughn. And also, I did a campaign for Karen Walker and I think you had a conversation with her about tokenism and how like... It's still like sometimes they're using older women as like the shock value, you know, and like it's almost as an accessory in in fashion campaign, which still there needs to be shifts in terms of that. But any representation of something other than like what's predominantly thought of as beautiful is powerful and has an impact. So the story about Lon Vaughn is Jackie. Yeah, I was approached by... I just love her so much. She's wonderful and still doing a lot of work. Um, Was early on, a lot of people started to approach me about, oh, these women are incredible. Can you help cast them for campaigns? Can you shoot these campaigns? Like, 
all different things. Karen was actually the first person who was like, you have to do a campaign for me. So I was approached to cast a campaign for Lon Bon, which featured real people, which is oh, still Oh, the funny. real in yes. inverted commas, which I remember writing so many features about this. Yeah. I mean, real people. I worked in magazines for most of my career, and we often would have these conversations, still having them about, hey, let's do a real people shoot. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, models are also real yes. people. And it's like all about authenticity. How do we show something authentic, but it's so forced authenticity? And no and fashion editors ever want to shoot to the inverted commas real people either. Yes. It's always like, who wants to do this? But this was for, in quotes, real people. And they it was a range of ages, and they wanted to cast two to three older women in the campaign. So I said, sure, this is great. You know, I, I don't always cast because I am a photographer and I like to shoot things myself. But this was like an opportunity that I couldn't pass up for the women. So we got together a list of four women that I submitted for the campaign. And Jackie, who was in her 80s and was an Apollo theater dancer, who was actually blind, pretty much, got this incredible opportunity to be in a Lon Vaughn campaign, which was featured all over the world and really made a wonderful statement about aging and, and looked so incredibly elegant. It's such, I remember when it came out and it was dazzling because she looks in particular, Jackie looks like so incredibly elegant and long and poised like the dancer that she is. Yeah. I mean, this woman at the time was 80. Yeah, she was 81, 82. Right. But yeah. what a vision of incredible elegance and wonder. I mean, who yeah. wouldn't aspire to that? I would want to look like her at my age. Yeah, and um, interestingly enough, though, a lot of the issues of magazines did run the photos of the younger people, which no. bothered me because Jackie was... The best. The best image. Yeah. Beyond like, oh, we should give reverence to older people. Jackie's picture was just the best and she was the most powerful. And that's the thing that I always think about is if we featured more strong, beautiful, powerful women who are older, these women have the power to not only shape our views on aging, but they're relatable in a sense that young girls can say, someday I won't be able to wake up and be like that but older women can relate to them too who can relate to someone who's a teenager who's photoshop it is unrelatable i look at a 16 year old model and think yeah beautiful but i can't see myself in the clothes yeah which is strange because even just from a marketing perspective like older women still they don't lose their interest in in fashion and they've and got more money i mean actually <laughs> yeah. older women as opposed to teenagers are much more likely to buy expensive fashion so it is a funny thing that fashion still obsesses over photographing clothes on young young girls yeah and, and so many of the women say to me not only like are the advertisements although we said it's shifted you know they don't care about me but i walk into a store and i go to the beauty counter and i'm t entirely ignored we don't think that older women are buying lipstick and in products you know like whatever it is thank heavens for helen mirren Yes. And Jane Fonda. And Mae Musk, who's now the cover girl at 70 years old. Yep. I wanted to just ask you about age inclusivity and just to share some stats with the listeners because okay. it's quite fascinating because we're having this conversation that, okay, things have really changed. But 
these are the stats for older models on the runway for spring 18. So out of 8,258 runway appearances, and that's 266 shows in New York, London, Paris, Milan, guess guess how many models were over 50? Six. 27. Okay. Six was Better a really bad. <laughs> but 27 is still pretty dismal. Yeah. And even though we're then having these headlines of, oh, the percentages are leaping because it was 11 two years ago, it's still absurd. Like 27 models over the age of 50. It's very, very small. Well, and it's interesting because it's like, if we talk about it, age and ageism is like the last battle. Like older people are the ones who are really... St- given the least amount of attention in terms of of things being shifted. And I mean, it wasn't my goal to change the fashion industry. And so seeing older women on the runway is important. But for me, if I can continue to present images of dynamic aging online, it has a broader audience than even just fashion. You know, like we reached this woman on the Gold Coast who started changing her attitudes about aging and wearing different shoes. A girl on Instagram sent me a message that her grandmother was in a nursing home and she was in her 90s and starting to become depressed and her health was failing. And before that, she was always a really vibrant person who dressed up. And she gave her grandma my book and they had fun looking throughout the day at at the different pages. And she told me that after that day, she made her granddaughter take out all her old scarves and her clothes from the closet. And for the next few months of her life, she dressed up and felt, you know, had that spirit again. And so, like we said, the impact of putting positive things on social media. But I wonder, like, there's so many people who can have such a powerful impact on positive things with their accounts. Why are we just like obsessed with selfies and, you know, not really encouraging other really more important things like or sharing stories about other people? Yeah. Use your platforms to really make a difference. And yeah, it's something that that really bothers me. It's a good idea, though, actually, if we could all... I love setting a challenge on this podcast. Why don't we all go away and try and tell a story of someone else on our Instagram this week instead of just ourselves? And I'm not, you know... Someone advanced. Someone advanced. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Talking about stories and also about the power and joy of stories. Um, I just want to dial back to the film again, um, because if anyone hasn't seen it, it's essential that you watch it. And I promise it just makes your day better. I mean, watching... Let's talk about Ilona. I mean, watching someone like Ilona explain how she makes her own eyelashes and how she started to teach art in her 80s. She was an artist her whole life, but she started to teach in her 80s. I mean, this stuff is just so life-affirming and grin-inducing. She's uh, still, like, everyone's icon um, from the film. And she is now 97, Ilona Royce Smithkin. She just came out with a book called Joy Dust, which shares a lot of her powerful wisdom. Yeah, she has a spirit that just, like, first of all, she has fiery red hair and she cuts her own eyelashes from her hair. She's a cabaret performer, uh, burlesque. She does, she did the splits up into her mid-80s. We met on the street in New York. I'd heard about her and finally, after a year of hunting, finally found her. And she's been a huge, made a huge impact on my life and so many people's because she has this incredible energy wisdom and a spirit that just like shoots out of her like it's impossible not to like approach her and tell her 
but she's, yeah, she's an artist. She's currently living, she moved from New York City to Cape Cod and lives by the water and paints every day. And even if she has pain, she makes herself walk down three flights of stairs every day and takes a swim. But her whole philosophy and what keeps her going is sharing joy. And that's why her book is called Joy Dust, because up until 80, she was quite insecure and was always questioning everything that she did. And when she started teaching art and realizing that she had something to give to other people is when she truly knew and felt her worth and her power. And that's when things started to shift. And it gives a lot of people hope to know that like, you can finally get it and let go of those insecurities, even if it happens at 80 years old. And how many different lives we can have. Yeah, and for the last 17 years, she's been like spreading this joy to so many people. And in that, she also talks about the pain that she goes through every day. And she says, I'm all right from the waist up. Let's not talk about what's happening at below. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I it, guess she has her it's legs. It's like from the waist up, pain. I'm fine, but the waist down, don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> but then she's walking up three flights of stairs a day. I mean, because wowie. she makes herself. You know, she the first thing she does, and I hear this from a lot of the women that I photograph, is like it starts when you wake up in the morning. So another woman that I photographed named Evita, who will be in my next book, she starts doing stretches and yoga poses in from bed. She's I think 96 years old. Wow, it starts in bed. The first thing you wake up you think whoever that you're alive and you're grateful for just waking up you open your eyes and and that in itself you're happy about (laughs) and then you know you have to think okay i have to approach the day and it's about like what is it that's going to make me do this the right way ilona runs a bath for herself because she knows that's important she has a little chocolate a little bit of coffee a little bit of vodka stop it (laughs) And does the things that make her happy, but a lot of it is about taking good care of yourself and staying, you know, moving. They all say, you have to keep moving, whatever that means to you. You have to move in some way. I wanted to ask you what you've learned from some of the extraordinary women who've become your friends and men, because there's advanced style men too. Yeah. But I think you've shared quite a lot of that wisdom with us already. So I want to instead ask that question focusing on love. Can you tell us about your new project? I do want to say one thing. The thing that I think I've learned most is that I think I thought when I was younger that you finally figure it out at a certain age. And then from these women, I realized that it's you have to continue to grow and change. And that's the way to stay vital and that there's always new challenges. And it's really about your attitude and how you face those challenges. Because even so many of these women, like, okay, maybe they retired at 60, but they, you know, then they're like, what do I do now? And so there's not one point in life where everything is just okay. It's always something. And you have to learn how to approach that with the experience that you've had. I think that's what I've realized. Like, like I was like, oh, you know, you turn a certain age and then everything is okay. And you just relax into everything. But it's not. You have to continue to put in the work. In terms of love... I'm working on a book that will be out next February, well, February 2019, about advanced love. And it's about, um, it's a photo book about couples whose love stories range from Evita, whose love of her life passed away, and she found new love in her 90s, and um, how she had to accept that. She was allowed to move on. And then hearing stories from couples who've been together, I think the longest one was 80 years. Whoa. 
and seeing the dynamics of how they've been able to keep that together for 80 years and how it still takes listening, compromise, the strength to not just leave and give up and know that it's worth it to try to understand one another and how, like we said, like you can live many different lifetimes. Well, within your relationship, you're an entirely different person after 10 years. And how do you stay connected as different people and continue to grow and change? And so, yeah, it's been really interesting. And this one will be a lot more um, stories about relationships and um and wisdom from a lot of the couples are they all romantic relationships this book in particular 95 percent is romantic relationships because obviously there's many different kinds of love and there's love between family members and friends and we love our dogs and they can become companions also as we at any point in our lives but um i wanted to narrow it down to something And uh, so this book in particular is about couples who are in relationships, not in every single photo, but pretty much, yeah, uh, romantic love. We mentioned before that feeling that, you know, there's something so poignant, isn't there, about seeing older, very much older Mm -hmm. people together down the street, walking down the street, holding hands or walking down the street, bickering, don't care what it is. There's something, isn't there, that's just so emotional about it. Well, it gives us hope. And also, yeah, I mean, like you said, bickering, we're talking about the fights. We're talking, it's not just about like everything is perfect in in the stories of these couples. I feel like your work is so emotional on so many levels. And partly it's about this sense of loss, I think. And this idea, I kept, I was wondering how to frame the question. But when I look at some of your work, you can't help thinking we're going to lose some of these incredible characters mm-hmm. because that's nature and that's going to happen. Yeah. How have you kind of dealt with the loss of being friends with so many people mm-hmm. at the end of their lives? Yeah, I mean, this project came out of loss. I lost my grandmother. And for me, that was the hardest thing that at that point that I knew that I'd ever have to face. And I didn't even know that I'd be able to do it. And so... I continue to wear her bee for bloomer around my neck every day. And I know that she's guiding me throughout this project and this, you know, journey. I have established really incredibly close relationships with so many special people starting this project, Advanced Style. And initially it was more about me making friendships with these women and learning from them. I had no idea that this would turn into my work, I was just starting a blog. You know, I didn't know that people would be approaching me to do campaigns, books, blah, blah, blah. And so Lindell, who is one of the stars of the film, passed away a little more than two years ago. And I moved to Los Angeles from New York City, and I go back and forth, but my family's in California. And I don't know how it would be if I was still in New York, but I think losing her, I knew that the women would still be with me in some losing my and losing my grandmother that they would still be with me in some way and I'm so lucky I mean I'm incredibly lucky to have the time that I have with them and the really intimate time of like learning about their lives and like how how they share things so but it's hard obviously it also just makes me think about how much we need to again talking about shifting the needle and understanding how we can change cultural conversation we and also 
I guess, taboos. You know, old age is so often linked with loneliness. We forget about the older members of our society We because of the invisible woman or the invisible yeah. man syndrome or because, I don't know, we're focusing so much on youth as a and culture. And it's about fear. And, and, that, and Yeah, fear of death. Like, we yeah. don't want to talk about it. We don't mm-hmm. want to even look it in the face, you know, the violence of looking away. Yeah. It's something that... It comes to us all, doesn't it? But I feel like those two things, loneliness and also, I mean, a bit morbid to finish on death, but that is what we finish on. And we yeah. need to be able to talk about those things without... Well, the you know interesting I mean? thing is, like, when you talk to a lot of the women about it, they're not fearful to end on a positive note. <laughs> they they yeah. have had incredible lives and are just grateful for the time that they have. And so hearing those words and talking about it more allows us to feel more okay about it. May we end on an extremely upbeat note? Sure. (laughs) Always love to spread a bit of advice. Ari, from your collected wisdom, from speaking to all these wonderful women who appear in your photographs and work, what advice would you share to listeners who are hoping to be bolder in their advancing style? I think it's uh, not to be afraid and to... uh, continue to be playful and joyful and, and, and remember that that little person that you once were in that that joy that you took in being creative and expressing yourself before there was judgment and go out on the street and just continue to be who you are. Lovely. Thank you so much Thank for joining you. me and our listeners on Wardrobe Crisis. This is such a beautiful episode. I love it. Oh, Everyone's going to love this. Oh, it's getting hard. My parents feel that I'm defending you. I tell them all that they are wrong because I love you. Thank you for listening to Wardrobe Crisis. To learn more about our guests and the issues that we've spoken about today, hop on over to my website, which is clairepress.com forward slash podcast. You can get in touch there and I really hope you will. I'd love to hear from you. And you can also find links to my social media. And finally, if you're enjoying the show, please head over to iTunes and subscribe. You know what they say, first in, best dressed. Subscribers are first to find out when there's a new episode and it also helps other people discover wardrobe crisis. So I'd love your help with that because the more people who switch on to ethical fashion, the better. Music is by Montaigne. She recorded this special acoustic version of Because I Love You, which is from her Glorious Heights album, especially for Wardrobe Crisis. How good is that? Thank you, Montaigne. Because I love you, my parents feel that this is a waste of time. I tell you we're okay, I won't admit that I am blind. My friends don't feel that I'm carrying a steel. I tell them all that they are wrong. Because I love you, because I love you. Because I love you Because I love you